The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute provides educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12, first-person curriculum with video, Discovering Heroes book series for kids, and a speakers bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. A high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that transforms into an interactive museum with artifacts and Russell F. Siller Memorial Scholarships for exemplary high school students of program recipients preparing for college. Never forget, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, brother sports fans? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here another edition of FN Sports, a podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues. Right after the Super Bowl, or at least right when Ryan got home from the Super Bowl, we had guest Ryan Rodriguez come on to talk to us about the Super Bowl, do some goal stars and detentions surrounding the game itself, and do a couple of theses based on how the game went. So without further ado, let's dive on in. All right, we're joined by Ryan Rodriguez of Belly Up Sports again to talk about the Super Bowl. Ryan, how you doing tonight, buddy? Doing doing well, Parker. Doing well. Enjoyed enjoyed our final night of football for sure. <laughs> final night of football. I think I saw a tweet that said for two hundred and seven days. I guess the USFL may be coming back somewhere in the middle there. I don't know, but, <laughs> but I, I don't I don't know if I'll be watching the USFL. So yes, it'll be it'll be a while with uh, with no NFL football. It's always a good break, you know. It's always nice to like have a break. It's, it's been I don't know what twenty one weekends of football basically minus last weekend. So it, it'll be nice to have a break, watch the basketball, recharge, and then be ready for the season. Uh, maybe we'll look at prospect draft stuff. <laughs> I, I will say absence makes the heart grow fonder. By this point, mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh, I've had a lot of football. And then, you know, in a week, I'm like, oh, well, what are you doing Sunday now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Watch the ABC special uh, basketball games. <laughs> Doesn't quite um, hit the same. <laughs> Speaking of watching stuff on TV, we're going to jump in with some gold stars. My first gold star is going to go to the Avocados from Mexico commercial in which they reenacted like a crazy tailgate, including jumping through tables and stuff like that in like ancient Roman times, like in front of the Coliseum. I thought it was really, really funny. Laughed at several different points of the commercial, including Caesar walking away, putting avocado on his salad, talking about how much he likes salads. Um, I don't know why that was like just goofy enough. To work for me that's like my it. first gold star what's your first gold star ryan my first gold star keeping it in the commercials division was the keeping up with the joneses or jonases i guess as joe jonas tried to uh in- include himself with that and uh utilizing 
Tommy Lee Jones looking like a curmudgeon and acting and then acting like a curmudgeon as well when he said it was like, who is that or something? I, I thought that was uh, that was funny. And we were like all trying to figure out at the party I was watching it, like, okay, what's this angle of the commercial? And then when we saw Leslie Jones, the third Jones, it was like, oh, it's keeping up with the Joneses. Okay, this is pretty this is pretty funny. So always ones that can get like you like you kind of said, those nice little subtle laughs from being creative is good in the commercials. <laughs> I couldn't um, even tell you what they were selling. Trucks. That's all I know. I don't even know what brand. <laughs> but they made about... me laugh. I will remember the I will remember the commercial. Something about trucks. There was also a Disney Plus commercial with goats. I thought it was particularly good. I I would also throw it for throwing out gold stars random commercials. There was a Mick Ultra commercial where they're all at a bowling alley. And I was like, Yes, Peyton Manning would definitely be a bowling I had, alley. I had seen that one actually debuted last night during the Warriors Lakers game. Uh, and then they showed it you know, longer today. It was interesting casting because it was like Peyton and Serena Williams and Steve Buscemi. I'm like, okay, this is, this is, this is random, but I can, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I did like in uh, the, the crypto craze that we had of commercials in the Super Bowl that was predictable. The Larry David one, because I love Larry David definitely made me laugh when he said, I'm not, when he wasn't going to invest. He's like, I'm never wrong about anything like this. So I, th- I, th- I thought that was pretty funny. I thought that was pretty funny. What did you make of the LeBron James? And I've already seen it turn into memes, like old LeBron James talking to young LeBron James about the future, whatever commercial. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And it was a crypto.com <laughs> commercial. Um, I, I got a couple thoughts. Uh, first, yes, crypto.com. Good job. Also securing not only the naming rights for LeBron plays, but also LeBron. Okay. I see. I see what you're going with there. The CGI was really good. Young LeBron looked Pretty dead on, young LeBron. Um, LeBron's so too. hair looked better than it does when I watch him in a basketball game, and that was a good <laughs> job by them too. Um, it, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was one of the few commercials that I do do really remember. So I guess I, they did a good job on that, and maybe they just putting <laughs> LeBron in a commercial will make me remember. The funniest meme I've seen so far is a screenshot of when he's sitting next to his younger self on the bed, and he's like got his hands like I'm about to tell you something important. And the caption, the caption is "Veto the Russell Westbrook." <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, yeah, there's been there in a, in a separate category. There's been a lot of mileage on that whole situation in the last week and a half via was, NBA Twitter. It's been yes. I, you, I will uh, say if, if that if that becomes a meme, that may be like a retroactive gold star of the future. Um, it, it was be. all it's like you said, it was all crypto and electric cars, though. It was all yeah, that was the it, whole it, thing. It was it really because even um the it was uh, I, I do remember this one Chevy Silverado with Jamie Lynn Siegler being Meadow Soprano and doing the same drive uh, that <laughs> Tony does at the for the yeah. opening credits for the Sopranos. I was like, okay. Come on. And then you guys end up at the diner where the show ended. Like, okay, this is too on the nose, you know, too on the nose. You're trying too hard there. Not as clever as keeping up with the Joneses. You know, my, not as, yeah. My only, like, if I'm staying within the parameters of the game and doing gold stars, I was even good about individual performances. I'd say the halftime, I mean, the show in general, I thought the stage was particularly like, after having lived in LA for a few years, the homes felt like Los Angeles, the map of Los Angeles. Uh, you know, it's a black and white party and every, the way everyone else is dressed, but Snoop Dogg shows up in blue. Like, it was very much he was, he was the very city much, of L.A. Snoop Dogg was very much cripping it 
uh, for, for sure. With he's like, no, I have the little uh, yellow ram's horn right on right on my shoulder, so it's not actually a blue bandana. Even yeah. though I'm walking on the stage right now, <laughs> it, it um, was. No, it was a very good so uh, LA, very so good LA. LA touch. I was on it personally. I was hoping for like a, a hologram Nate dog or something. Tupac, um, right? We, like yeah. something. But I mean, no, I think they did. They did a good job, even with with Eminem and and Mary J. Blige and Fiddy not being non uh, non LA people. They they got music from that same time woven in well. So I think it was it was pretty good. I will say, "California Love" was the second song. <laughs> so I, I don't think if you listen to last week's show, I was saying to put money on that as the opener. <laughs> mm. So you know, I, I got what, a lot they of started with still Dre, right? Still Dre. Yeah. Um, I, that was tough. I actually, I got the opener for Eminem, even though it was like, because I, I said that he's coming out with Forgot About Dre. Yeah. But he only like did it as he was rising up and then he changed immediately to Lose Yourself. So I'm still going to take a, I'm going to take the victory on that one, uh, <laughs> even though he didn't like really perform it. He just like, you just got kind of the riff of it. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. As so far as did, performers from the, from the, you know, stuff around the game go mm-hmm. i'm gonna detention the rock we both talked about this before the pod the super bowl doesn't need a hat doesn't need a hype man of any kind why why was the rock this like weird hype man i saw one funny tweet that was is the rock filibustering the super bowl he was, <laughs> they literally had the kickoff teams on the field ready to go and he's like i'm here guys at the numbers on the 40 yard line and i'm talking this game up right now like he was never good enough to play in one, so let's give him a chance to talk at one. I, I don't know. And his arms were also way abnormally too big. For, <laughs> like I was like, this is this is kind of crazy, right? Like there must be like some uh, some uh, visual enhancement you're doing on the screen because there's no way his torso is like that, and even like his shoulders are like that, but his arms, his biceps are huge. <laughs> there might be enhancements. I don't know if it was visual or not. Do you have any detentions from the Super Bowl day? Man, I'm going to go out of the, the realm of the, the funny that we've been having going. I'm detentioning Sean McVay, even though he won, because he insisted on running the ball over and over and over and over again. It was like that, uh, that Marshawn Lynch runner is like over and over and over. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Sean, it's not working. It's, it's clearly not working. Like, you, are you at least – what was one run play that they, they ran at a super important time that hit was a Cooper Cup jet sweep? But it was like – you did something different than just running inside outside zone. Yeah. And, and they, they weren't even blocking well either, you know, but it was yeah. like you, you got yourself to the perimeter and like at least did something quick that could give you a chance. And like so many of the run calls, I mean, he's lucky that their D line in the second half, who would be another gold star, just the Rams defensive line. All of it. But they just picked it up and the, and the Bengals offense didn't do it. I mean, like what they had the long bomb, touchdown very first play and then they scored a field goal off of the interception right after that they didn't do anything else the rest of the second half they got shut down at completely all. completely yeah so the the interesting thing about the rams running the ball too it's like you said the only productive run play was the jet sweep and it really like cup makes a deke at the yeah it, i scrimmage. mean it was more just like he put his foot in his ground in it and it still got like four yards it was productive because yeah. it converted but not necessarily because it was like a very well like a good run play and i don't even think it it was productive i I would need more analytics to be sure on this but from the eye test in like setting up play action or something right it wasn't like they like bid on stuff and then they went over the top 
but they they did get some plays because like they got the throwback to Henderson down the side off a of play action right before that they had gotten another under but it was just like the the Bengals run defense was there and your and your front was not blocking well but combination of both you just I mean you don't want to throw the ball fifty five times a game but the Henderson throwback to me also and this is too football coachy but. Anytime you see ninety-one chasing twenty-seven, you throw it to twenty-seven like that. Like, like that, mm-hmm. that. I don't know how much that was play action versus a, a bad spot, but it it did work. To be fair, the interesting thing I saw on Twitter and looking at stats after the game was that it was the first time. It was like the, only the fifth time a team has averaged less than two yards per rush in the Super Bowl across the game. And it was the first time that that team had won the Super Bowl, right? So if we're moving away from running football, if we're going to, you know, truly are in the past first era, like that's the first time that the rushing stats have not been in favor of the winning team. Yeah, I mean, it, it was bad. Like, they, I mean, they the, the run game was so embarrassing. So the fact the fact that they were able to win, especially how much they kept calling it still is – it's really a testament to me to the defense. Like they, they kept them in and why the offense just stalled and putzed around and, Oh, what do you know? When it was, when they went to a drive where it was like mostly going to be passing, they moved the ball down and they scored game winning touchdown. <laughs> what well, with short passes correlation is not causation, but I mean, <laughs> I was also right. <laughs> Speaking of a drive of short, full of short passes, we do have a couple theses to look at from the game. You know, obviously, we're going to talk about Cooper Cup, a little bit about Aaron Donald, a little bit about the Rams. Uh, we're going to try not to badge the Bengals too much. I will say, funniest tweets of the night have all been Eli Apple-themed. Do you have any Eli Apple-themed burns or anything you've seen out there just so, because he just got scorched? Yes. Uh, be, before the week, I or during the week, I saw a tweet that said, it's messed up for... Cooper Cup to be doing this to Eli Apple during Black History Month. And so I thought that was hilarious. And then the fact that Eli Apple gave up the game-winning touchdown where he got roasted by Cooper Cup. So it was like a nice premonition. But then this one was really funny just because this guy lost two weeks ago. So Meikle Hardman and I guess him and Eli Apple were going. And Meikle says, Eli Apple, wish you were a better corner, bro. Then the game-winning touchdown wouldn't have been scored on you with the <laughs> palms up, shrugging emoji. <laughs> and I'm like, the audacity to send that tweet two weeks after losing You're at is, home. <laughs> I know, is hilarious. And I respect Miko Hardman 100% for doing it <laughs> because it doesn't really matter. And all it does is make me laugh. So I think it's perfect. I saw a follow-up that had Miko Hardman holding his championship ring. <laughs> I was like, I guess that's why he feels like he can talk. My my funny tweet I saw was Emmanuel Acho tweeted out, an apple hasn't ruined this many lives since the Garden of Eden. And I, oh, man. That's I was funny. like, oh, man. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Eli, Eli Apple, I'll say this. That guy also has bravado kind of like Miko's showing. So he's got to be able to take all the – all the crap he's been, t- the smack he's been talking over the last yeah. month. Like, to give up the game-winning touchdown, dude, oh, man. Tough. It's just it's just turnabout's fair play. Like, the same way that corners, I mean, you have to have such crazy confidence to be, at any point, like, if you mess up, you're done. Like, if you mess up, you give up the touchdown. And, at, you know, Jalen Ramsey saw, like, 
I, I think the initial call with he slightly misstepped and we saw he got ripped down by his face mask. But like it gave him a touchdown. That corner messing up gives up touchdowns. To have the yeah. confidence to do that job requires the kind of confidence that I'm assuming can take this because he's been giving it for a while now. <laughs> you, you better be able to, man, because you were asking to get it if something bad happened. All right, so without further ado, let's dive into our first thesis. We're going to dive to the other side of that Eli Apple game. Cooper Cup had a great game. Cooper Cup was Super, Super Bowl MVP. He was also Offensive Player of the Year in the NFL this year, as announced earlier in the week, uh, the weekend, I guess I should say, at the NFL Awards ceremony. So the thesis reads, Cooper Cup had the best season of a wide receiver ever. You hear that, and you think what, Ryan? I'm going to go B+. Plus. B+. Plus. I was thinking an A-. minus. I wasn't quite. I was going to give myself some wiggle room. So let's dive in. All right, Ryan, you want B plus, a little bit lower than myself. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that I almost gave it an A minus. So, so, we're, <laughs> so, we're, so we're thinking along the same line. I guess probably for me, it mostly comes down to personal preference because I'm looking at this Field Yates tweet and like 2,400 yards, 22 touchdowns, triple crown, unanimous all pro, offensive player of the year, Super Bowl MVP. He did something in one year that only Jerry Rice is the only receiver to ever do it over his career. So I th- that's why I wanted to give it an A. But I guess the personal preference is he don't he don't, Cooper Cup doesn't put the fear of God in me like somebody a la Randy Moss would. And for me, that like I guess a little bit of that has to come out with the do- with the statistical dominance as well. And so I guess that that is that is why I would hold it back a little bit because lots of other guys, but I guess maybe Jerry Rice would fall under the same category for me because he didn't have that like overwhelmingness in terms of like physical athleticism. And yet he's statistically by far the greatest receiver ever. So I, I don't know. I still feel good about a B plus though. I feel good about a B plus. So I, I want a minus because there's a couple of seasons that jump out 2012 Calvin Johnson had more yards that that's the yard record which mm-hmm. things worth pointing out was also one less game in the season um and so like he he played with one less game i was trying to find a rice year i think the year i'd go with on rice would be 1995 from an individual standpoint and you know what's crazy is his 88 year when he set the touchdown record was in 12 games in a strike shortened season he had 22 touchdowns in 12 games like that is <laughs> a- well and I, and I think the deal there would be that there's like a, like a, a premonition or a supposition. Like you're assuming something's going to happen if he got those other four games. But in 95, he leads the league in yards at 1848. And again, this is the mid-90s and he's got mm-hmm. 1,800 yards. Yeah. And he also has the third most touchdowns at 15 touchdowns. And, and I think it's like there's something about that with you also like remember that it's the 90s and people aren't throwing the ball like they do now and those kinds of things mm-hmm. that like – I think that some of that needs to be weighed in. I also didn't realize when I was looking at those things that Isaac Bruce had a crazy year that year too. He's coming up when I'm looking at leaderboards mm-hmm. across things on, on those as well. I, I got to say though, that like there's got to be some weight on the individual hardware as well. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, and I'm looking at that stuff like two years, Jerry Rice won offensive player of the year in these two Years like I guess the thing that they're saying is setting Cooper Cup apart is the postseason catches and the Super Bowl MVP, which 
to me, those are a li- like if Jerry Rice's team had a bye in one of those years, then he's automatically playing one less game. So, you know, it's it, it, not to take away from anything from Cooper Cup, but like some of those things, you know, g- kind of do matter when they're holding up. I mean, would you say that his playoff run was as dominant as Larry Fitzgerald when the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl? I would. It's close. I will say I, I, I saw that the only people to score touchdowns in four playoff games in one year was or Cup two? and Fitzgerald. <laughs> okay. And it's that's like what you're saying, right? Where mm-hmm. like you're statistically impacted because you did well in the season and got a bye. Like yeah. Fitzgerald didn't have a bye, so that, that got screwed. I, and I, I think that that also has to carry some weight here because, you know, obviously today we saw the last drive. But Cooper Cup is playing opposite Odell Beckham for the majority of those, that playoff run and got the extra game if you're looking at individual statistics. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl MVP is important to me, and there have not been many receivers when Super Bowl MVP, right? Like, that's got to be some, some level just, of importance. Yeah, I just remember, like, Edelman and Deion Branch. Uh, and I guess if you want to count uh, Desmond Howard. <laughs> but he was doing it because <laughs> of returning, you know? So, yeah, no, I mean, you, and you got to be dominant. And, I mean, like, Cup was the last drive, obviously. Like, going into that last drive, I think it would have been pretty, like, there was, it was going to be hard to give an MVP at that point in the game, going into that last drive. And then Cup took over, converted the fourth down, had that long catch over the middle, got the touchdown. That I think once it, once he scored that touchdown, it's like, if the Rams hold on and win, then he's going to be, be MVP. And he definitely deserved it. Like, again, they were down to him only, you know, Odell's out. Higby didn't even play the game. Obviously, that Robert Woods has been out since the middle of the year. I mean, they were down to their fourth, their fifth best pass catcher, I would say, in Van Jefferson. And then, you know, their backup tight end who ended up getting benched and stuff. So Cup had, especially that last drive, it's like it, everyone knows it's going to him. You know, well, everyone knows. And I will, I will just because I looked it up while earlier, uh, just a second ago, while you're talking, I should say. So Edelman, you mentioned Edelman and Deion Branch both won as receivers. The other two were Heinz Ward and Antonio Holmes, both in Pittsburgh, which is interesting that, you know, that suck it, big fan. Yeah, suck it, big fan. I guess it's probably fair there. Uh, also suck it, Brady. I don't... <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Well, no, that's why it... Brady's the GOAT, because he also produces uh, receivers that win MVP. <laughs> But I, I think that what's interesting in those is, and part of this era, right, like Deion Branch and Heinz Ward, he's the only one that had two touchdowns in those games, right? Like, if you look at the other receiver games, it was low scoring. I mean, the Edelman game a couple years back, we all remember was 13-3, right? That's just like, mm-hmm. and the low scoring game, those guys all had the touchdown. Gotcha. And in a in a multi-touchdown game, Edel, uh, Cooper Cup had two. I, I think that does set him apart a little bit. I don't think that those guys that were Super Bowl MVPs had the statistical regular seasons <laughs> necessarily that Cooper Cup had. The only combo there I see is that Fitzgerald year we talked about. Mm-hmm. You could probably, uh, you might be able to talk me in to a higher grade for this. And, and it's interesting to look at this like in a in a league dominated by quarterbacks. Does it mean anything that a receiver just had that crazy an impact on the year? I mean, it does mean something for sure. Like, I, it, I, I think it's showing overall that and we can see it on the same on the other side of the ball with Jamar Chase as well. 
and having a dominant receiver in a game that is so clearly geared around passing and this guy that can just make big plays and move the chains consistently and you can just get them quick passes and they can get the yak. I mean, we see it in San Francisco with Debo and stuff like that. Like it is just so valuable now to have a guy that can do that in a way that maybe back in the day, it wasn't in the same way because the game wasn't as built around the pass game. It's just fascinating to see that. I I mean, you still have, you know, Brady was last year's Super Bowl MVP. Mahomes was the year before. We mentioned Edelman, but then you go back to it's Foles, it's Brady, it's Von Miller who shut down Cam Newton, it's Brady again. Like like quarterbacks win this award far and away a lot mm-hmm. more. It just it is interesting that like at the end of the day we came into the game. There was a lot of talk about Matt Stafford legacy game. There was a lot of talk about Joey Burrow and and all that fun stuff. And like that they just ran routes that it, it wasn't complicated stuff. It was quick outs it was back shoulder it was you know it mm-hmm. was backyard football type stuff and they just couldn't cover cooper cup like 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 they result they you know had to break down and just like manhandle him and hope that we get him mm-hmm. in the face <laughs> like like that yeah no i mean because he, he's he's just so good at like setting up his routes like i was watching an nfl matchup this morning and one of the plays they were highlighting is where they just like put cup in a stack run the stack receive the front guy off and then have Cup with an option route. And it, how he just gets onto the DB's toes, chatters his feet. He had one tonight too. And just plants one way or the other like, and really sells it and snaps inside or outside. I mean, you you can't really cut. You got to get your hands on him. That's the only way. Because if you don't, he's go, he's got a two-way go. And he's just playing off your leverage. And he's smart enough to make you wrong so many times that it – it's important and that, and we see that through all the all the top receivers now. They they really do have that ability. We're honestly trending a little bit away from like the really big, just like true split out. I mean, like a Calvin Johnson type, a Julio Jones, you know, where it's like they're not really going in the slot. They're not doing like shaking you. I mean, Jamar's got some of that. Justin Jefferson has that. Diggs has that. Cooper Cup has that. Debo has that. So yeah, with like with people like Calvin, Julio, those guys back in, I mean, not even that long ago, Larry Fitzgerald even, and he and Fitz would play in the slot, but they're not, they weren't the guys that we see now that are just quick, shifty. Um, and we see it across the league. You got Cooper Cup, Debo, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Jamar does it. Some not not quite as much. He's, he is a little bit of a thicker, bigger guy. I mean, honestly, we really saw it with the rise of Antonio Brown and and like what he could do. Even AJ Brown does a lot of that. We see like Tyler Lockett is someone able to do that. He might not be quite in that echelon of those guys, but still, still very, very good. And we're seeing, I guess, less of like the DK types being the younger ones that are that are coming in and and doing this. And I mean, it, it makes sense with just how much more sophisticated you have to get now in the past game to get open. What hap- What happened this year? We saw with just more two high shells and like how. Defenses were blitzing less and really trying to shut down the big plays. And so how do you create big plays? Will you create opportunities for Yak and you not only scheme wise, but with the guys that you have catching the ball and being able to just shake and and go. So after talking a lot about Cooper Cup having the best receiving season of anybody that ever played the game. He ends that season with the Super Bowl MVP and maybe a minor concussion, but like he's walking on the field very, very happy, very in a very, very good mood, right?
Aaron Donald makes, I mean, unless you want to call the Neil a play, makes the last two plays of the game, really, mm-hmm. to kind of seal the deal for the LA Rams. And so our next thesis reads, Aaron Donald should have been Super Bowl MVP. You hear that, uh, you hear that Ryan, and what do you think? I'm going to go with an A- minus because I'm fighting for the uh, D lineman. <laughs> well, now you're making me feel like a bad line coach. I was going to think like a C plus or a B minus. So I'll go to a B minus, but I'm a lot. Okay. It, all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. All right. You were much higher than I on this one, Ryan. So explain to us why a defensive tackle is clearly the most posi- most important position in football. Uh, oh yes, exactly. That yeah, get, get out of here, quarterbacks. Get out of here, quarterbacks. No, I thought what Aaron Donald was able to do in the second half, and it really started with that play where he pushed down Burrow on the scramble, and it and it was just a perfect like I'm super strong, and I'm gonna make sure you feel this push down right here. And after that, he got a sack to end that drive and knock force a field goal on third down. He got a second sack later in the game when the defensive line just started taking over uh, as, and you know, as a defensive line coach, it's not always like you look, I think he had four sacks total, two sacks, two tackles for loss, you know, nothing, nothing eye popping. Von Miller also had two sacks. They had seven total. So that it was a team effort, but you know, like when you have this dominant defensive lineman, he sets up everything else, whether it be in the stunts or whether taking a, on you know, drawing extra attention with double teams and stuff where they're going to slide their protection, all that good stuff. And he's able to control the game. And then, like you said, one the second to last play he made was a run play where he just forklifted the offensive lineman into Samaje Pirine. And I don't even know if he got a tackle for that, but he was the reason that ball was stopped a yard short and they had to go for, the Bengals had to go for fourth down there. And I guess I've seen some questionable, not, I wouldn't say questionable MVPs, but ones where it's like, they kind of give it to the legacy guy. And I would say like Donald has, while Cooper cup had a obviously amazing season and, you know, in an all time list, Aaron Donald has an all time career. And, and so I could see it being tipped a little bit to his in his favor because of that, but he's just, just how he went about that game and just starting to put on relentless pressure. And I don't think like Cooper cup was like a clearly super dominant person on offense, even though we just sang his praise. Like it wasn't where it was like, you know, 150 yards and two touchdowns. It was 90 yards, some crucial catches, a crucial run and, and two touchdowns. But um, again, it wasn't like a dominating. It was more like a built over time case. And so because of that, I think it was a lot. I to me, it was pretty wide open. Even though I, I figured that Cup would get would get the MVP. I would have I would have had a lot more issue with Donald not winning Super Bowl MVP had Stafford won it, because that would have felt like we're just giving the quarterbacks don't know what to do. A la the first Eli Manning one for sure. Um, yeah, I'd I'd probably also argue the second one, but that's at least more arguable. The first one, right, is the defensive line that wins the MVP. There's just four of them and one of Eli. I mean, so even we, Brady, I think Brady won MVP last year and it was like the offense was dominant, but the D line was the one that won the game again. So agreed. No, definitely. Stuff. It's interesting. As I look back, there have been nine def- and I'm on the same list. I was looking at for the Cooper cup stuff. There have been nine defensive players win Super Bowl MVP 
Von Miller uh, a few years back, right? Six tackles, two and a half sacks, and the big force fumble on Cam Newton, right? If you go back a little bit further than that, you're going to Dexter Jackson and Tampa Bay when they beat Oakland, two first half picks, and right? He had a pick, I think he had a pick six, too. One of them might go to the house. On further back, back in the 90s, back when the Cowboys were actually relevant and good, Larry Brown got, or I think I'm in the 90s, it might be too far back. Anyway, I might, no, I think I'm still in the 90s. Two interceptions, right? Re- recurring theme here is that the defensive players get it when they also get the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, not yeah. that they're playing offense, but like when they get the turnover. And as good a day as Aaron Donald had, you know, had he forced a fumble on that third down play instead of just stopped the play, mm-hmm. maybe. Or had he, you know, had he had a tip ball that led to an interception or, you know, some way you could argue he forced a turnover. And from a turnover perspective, uh, while I had other issues with their offensive game plan, the Bengals were clean, right? No fumbles, no picks. Mm. And and that that's kind of rough. Very few penalties even. Yeah. Until the last drive on defense, really. Like Mm. they had like two or three before that drive. And one, and one I mean, of them one was of them the, the dumbest one we've seen probably ever. <laughs> dude, that guy should have gotten attention. The... Vernon Hargraves, dude, what are you doing? In slides, man, come on. He had to go out there and do the gritty with his teammates. Oh, gosh, dude. So I, I guess my thought there is that, like, if that's the bar, I guess I get it. I watched that game, though, and the Collinsworth kept talking about Ashawn Robinson, who did have a good game. Mm-hmm. As I look at the box score, other guys had more tackles, and they've, you know, they've got Donald down with two sacks. They also had Von Miller down with two sacks. So I guess that's you know whatever. Also, they had both in the same D line. Crazy, but I, I just I felt the impact when I watched the game in a way that I can't quantify with stats without getting someone to break down the percentages of double teams and triple teams and and those kinds of things with Donald. I mean, the way they had to shift their game plan to keep him from making plays. And then he still made the last two plays. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know how to el- how else to like, be like, what do you hand the guy? Maybe, I mean, if you had an offensive and defensive MVP, I guess it'd be a little different, but like, I, I don't know what you hand the guy to validate what a great performance that was. Yeah. I mean, I guess you, you do bring up a good, you do bring up a good point with the turnovers. And, and I guess when you're comparing the two people then who we're talking about mostly here with Cup and Donald. Cup had two touchdowns, had like those two super high impact plays compared to Donald didn't end up having a play like that, even one. And so, but still, man, we got we got to give the ball, give the love to the defender, the de, the defender, and a guy as great as Aaron Donald. He, he really is as, and I, I think I tweeted this out at some point during the game, he's better at his job than almost any athlete I've ever watched is at their job, right? Like, it's not that his job is hard to do on paper. I, I, I get that. It's much more of a hard to do in person than it is to do on paper. But he's just better at it than other – he's better at that than 99.9% of guys you watch the NBA playing basketball. He's better at that than 99.9% of the people he, you see in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, it? he's – he is a true all-timer. You know, he is a, he is a true shortlist for best player to ever play the game when you make seven first-team All-Pros in eight seasons. Like, that is a le- that is a level of excellence that is very, very rare. <laughs> I joke with my wife. She's been – or she's also a teacher, and she's had her own classroom for seven years. And I was like, 
So Von Miller has been an all pro the entire time you've been teaching. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like it's crazy. It, and it's a it's not a position that careers are very long in. I know there was chatter before the game about would he retire if they won, and I I get going out on top, but it looks like he's still got a lot left to do. But it it is phenomenal to watch the guy go that far. This I didn't prep you for. Would you would you be open to an offensive and defensive MVP of some kind, or would would that be overkill? Is this just a unique situation? I, I'd say it's probably a unique situation. I I would say I like I'm fine like. You know, it's it's not like, again, Cooper Cup getting this MVP is any sort of egregious thing. Like you said, if it had went to Stafford, it would have been like, come on, can you be more lazy? But it, it wasn't. And, and it was a good thing because, I mean, Cooper Cup was the best, the better player all year than Stafford was as well. You know, it, it, same thing at his job. So so he had that kind of built up that I was like, OK, I don't have to worry about about something dumb like that where it's like, ah, whatever. So yeah, no, I would I would just keep it one MVP. Sometimes you gotta make hard decisions. I understand the defense is gonna get the short end of the stick. It's all good. Well, an offense sells tickets, and they continue to make the game easier to play on offense, mm-hmm. especially when you can throw defenders down by their face masks, like they did to Jalen Ramsey. Obviously, that was a particularly like it looked bad initially, and then you were like, oh, that's why he fell down. What did you think of J- speaking of great Hall of Fame potential defenders today? What did you think of Jalen Ramsey's performance on defense? Not, not very good. <laughs> like, well, not, I, he gave up two huge plays and one of them was probably not going to gave, be given up if the refs, I guess you would call it a face mask. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah. So I guess, no, he, he shadowed uh, Jamar a lot. He kind of got away with a little bit of a hold on that first, I think our second drive down when he stopped the, uh, stopped the post to T Higgins at the goal line. He was a part of a fourth down stop on Jamar chase, but that was really just the underneath defender more than, than something that, that Jalen did. Uh, I thought he played pretty well, but I had heard all week that the deep ball is his, uh, is one kind of Achilles heel. And, and it showed, cause even on the T Higgins one, like maybe it's completed, maybe it's not, but he was already kind of like, he didn't bail out quick enough, you know, and, and started to let Higgins get on top of him. So he played all uh, right. The face mask would have saved him because he did. He was beat. Yeah, he did yeah, get ex- face masked. Exa- but the face exactly. Mask yeah, like I, I don't think his coverage before that was you know was that great. And obviously Jamar hit him, got got him on the forty six yarder as well. So he, he shadowed Jamar, and, and and Jamar Chase had five catches for eighty nine. I had to look that up. I don't mm-hmm. remember the thumb had, and forty six of that was one play on one. So you you break it. So what you're looking at like four for fifty. I, and I think that there was one play. It's I think it's the last offensive drive the Bengals had. Where and I, again, this is we're recording right after the game, so I'm like, uh, what? But I, it was, I think it was the last series they had. And he like tries to break like he's going to make a pick on a play, and Chase oh, high points yeah. the ball and spins at and, and, and like, I, I, drops it out play, of it. It was the first play of the last drive, and I actually am going to be lenient on Jalen on that one because he drove to the near hip of jamar and then the ball ended up being so far outside of jamar's body frame that he had to like lunge out to his right and just took him completely off the point and and jalen was so close to him at that point that it just like to me i guess it's one of those things that yeah it kind of looks bad but it's it's one of those things that just happens and you're not 
playing the ball where it's going. You're trying to just run through the guy. And, and you've coached in the secondary, and I never have. But but I, I guess my thought there was like it looked like he overran it and got drop stepped. And and I don't know enough about the mm-hmm. coaching technique. There would be I, I I think that it's just interesting that like that's another big play. Yeah, no, so he, he gave up big plays. You and know. really, outside of that, it was like either a big play or nothing or mm-hmm. not open. You know, and yeah. and I don't know, I don't know which. Would I rather my guy not give up the big play, but give up, you know, twelve catches for a hundred yards or something? You know, like something. Smaller. I'd probably rather not give up the big play. If yeah, you like you know that. That's why like a a different corner this year, Trayvon Diggs, where he he, <laughs> a he had you one. know he had like an obviously like very boomer bust year, but the reason that you could live with some of the busting was because his boom, like he got so many turnovers, he made so many impactful plays to kind of offset that. But that's also why you would say, mm, it's not like I'm saying Trayvon Diggs is the best corner in the league just because of those interceptions. Cause it's like, you're when, when you're giving up, you're giving up huge plays and that is hard on a defense to stay consistent when it's just like, Oh, three plays, boom, long bomb, you know, for sure. Obviously, you did some pre Super Bowl stuff with your folks over the Coastal Connection. Ryan, tell people where they can find you. When are y'all wrapping up the Super Bowl and those kind of things? I know you're also writing with Billy Up Sports, so tell people where they can find that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, so co- the Coastal Connection, uh, shoot, we'll, I don't know when my buddy's uh, last basketball game is. So typically, as Wednesday, so we'll either record Tuesday or, or Thursday. Should be a fun one because our one of our co hosts is a Rams fan, but does not like Sean McVay at all. And we've just been <laughs> talking so much smack to him, like wait till Sean McVay wins the Super Bowl this year. And he's already texted us that he can't record this week because he knows <laughs> because he knows how much uh, how much we're gonna get on him. So so that'll that'll be a fun one. And I will say I was right on my pick of Bengals covering and the uh, Rams winning. So I so I did feel good about that one. Um, and then words wise on belly up. I, I tweet everything out on my my Twitter. Uh, the thoughts of R two been been trying to get into a little bit uh, more old school blogging and doing some roundups of funny stuff on NBA Twitter. Which the trade deadline, speci- <laughs> specifically the the James Harden Ben Simmons trade, was a treasure chest led by a certain center for the Philadelphia 76ers. So oh, that that Joel tweet. That's that's the article in itself. <laughs> I, I know. I'm I'm trying to be like, how can I like write about more than that? Because it was just. Did you see his response after when they asked him about it? I just he, saw the one where he stand. I saw no, he said something. He said something to the effect of like, "Oh, I just like saw the picture and I thought the guy was well dressed and had a lot of swag, so I thought that I would tweet it out." I'm like, dude. You are very good at this game. You're very good at this <laughs> troll game. So yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll write that tomorrow on Monday, and so it should be up by Tuesday for sure. But yeah, no, having having some fun do, doing that. I feel like I'm uh, back, like reading SB Nation stuff back in the day, and <laughs> and so that yeah, that's a lot of fun because I don't get enough time to to watch as many games as I would like because I just I don't get done working out home and everything till like seven o'clock. So it's only. And you're really on the West like, Coast, so seven yeah, o'clock. Yeah, exactly. So it's like Eastern. it's Laker games. At least the Warriors are good. The Lakers are not fun to watch. Clippers, they're they're a hard playing team, but it's like they're just you know they're just getting through the season. Obviously, the Blazers aren't any interesting <laughs> to watch either. And then I fully confess, I the Suns just annoy me. 
Um, <laughs> like this, uh, only Mikel Bridges doesn't, and basically everybody else on their team annoys me. So I try and just catch the end of their games when the because they're always close, and then I just watch Chris Paul and Devin Booker like maestro a point every <laughs> every single possession and it's like okay i can i can handle that but watching you guys all the time would not be nearly as fun so <laughs> perfect check out the coast connection and thoughts of r2 on twitter thanks for coming on ryan thanks parker okay parker so the thesis statement for this commercial is james harden has the best beard in sports what do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Friends, do you feel like you've successfully recapped the Super Bowl? Big shout out to Chris Sliwa. That's Chris underscore Sliwa7 on Twitter for all the great editing work he's doing. Also, shout out to Chris. Uh, he and I on last week's midterm got several things right, including we both said, or I believe we both said, that we're going to open up with heads on the coin toss. The first play would be a run slash sack. Uh, that was, I believe, the better odds as well. Odell Beckham with the first touchdown. We both said to go over on the sacks, and we had an NFL record set in sacks in the Super Bowl. And we both said that regardless of who we thought was going to win the game, the Bengals would keep it under four. All of those hit. Doesn't mean we didn't miss some things like what, like I mentioned during the podcast, what song opens the halftime show, but we did hit more than we did not. Shout out to Chris. Again, Chris underscore Sleeva7 for all the fun stuff he does and helps us edit. If you're looking for me on social media, you can find all my personal stuff at Painsworth512, that's P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Instagram and Twitter. I'll be sending out fun things as far as what I'm writing or other shows that I've been on as a guest. I'll also be doing my continuous Black History Month things once a day across the rest of February. Again, that is at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Instagram and Twitter. This show has Instagram and Twitter as well. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. We'll be posting all the latest show info. And on Twitter, you can find us at FN Sports 2. That's F-I-N-S-P-R-T-S number two, all one word on Twitter. We're up over 5,000 followers. You can make sure you interact with us all day long there as well. On both of those social media handles, you'll be able to access our link tree where you can find all of the good folks that help sponsor the show as my bookie, where you can use code FNSportsWDeposit. You can go to The Beard Struggle and use code FNSports15 to get 15% off. 
or you can use our link to go to Yeti and get all of your insulated needs for cups, coolers, and koozies. Anything you need, you can find on Yeti.com through the links on our social media handles. If you go to those link trees, you'll also be able to find our merch store where you can find all kinds of t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs to help support the show. And we have charitable shirts and hoodies for good causes. Our February hoodie and t-shirt, both are 42 themed for Jackie Robinson. All proceeds are going to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to help support scholarships to HBCUs and PBIs. So shout out to them, help support the show and a good cause. Go to the merch store through our social media handles via bonfire.com and help us support a great, great cause. Thank you all so much for all you do to support the show. Make sure you listen to this on a couple different devices. We have a couple different outlets. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, do all the wonderful things to help us out. And whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.